This is Tom Vargelettis with the Full-Time Real Estate Photographer Podcast. And we've got a couple more questions from listeners of the podcast from two people, actually. Let's just get right into them. The first question is from Ben Q. Ben reached out to me on Instagram, and he had a few questions about hiring employees. So I do give this some attention in the book, and I do talk about it a little bit, actually a lot of it in other episodes. But let's just take another look here. Ben, thank you so much for the question I appreciate you reaching out to me, and I hope that this information is going to be helpful to you. So the first part of Ben's question is essentially, who do I look for when I'm hiring a photographer? Am I looking for someone who has been trained already, someone who is an existing current photographer, or someone with zero experience whatsoever? And The answer is I generally lean towards someone who has some photography experience, someone who kind of understands cameras and how to actually work the gear and maintain it. It's not impossible to start with someone who's basically at square one, but I find that If I can work with someone who's already interested and kind of passionate about the photography, they seem to pay more attention to detail. Because I talk to a lot of photographers and this constant issue with staff, they don't quite get your technique or your style of doing things. They're pretty good about everything except compositions. That can be kind of difficult to work through because for some people, they've just got it. They just have this natural eye for whatever it is that you want to see. And then there's other people that, you know, they're just looking at it differently. They're thinking differently. So they're going to end up with a slightly different result. And if you're really meticulous about how much attention to detail you actually do for every single photo, it can kind of drive you crazy. So I find that I've had the best luck when I'm working with someone that is not already a professional photographer, but who is maybe a hobbyist, who's kind of interested, passionate about it, someone who knows their way around the camera. So I have one of my photographers, Madison. He was on the podcast, and Madison actually got his start way back. Like He's always been working with cameras, but mostly video-centric, so he really understood the ground rules of like how to operate a camera, important rules about composition and lighting. And it wasn't exactly a one-to-one kind of transfer, but we were able to bring him up to speed on the photography style that I like to use. And it was like a month or so of on-the-job training and he was he was up and running on his own full-time. That's generally who I look for. Where do I look for them? So if I'm hiring a photographer, I am mostly reaching out to my sphere of influence, people that I know, people that they know, asking, hey, do you know somebody that needs a job? A lot of times that's as far as I need to look. You know, I have posted ads for hiring photographers on Craigslist, on Indeed. There's a bunch of different places. I've done Facebook job posts and, you know, they work you definitely get attention. 
and you definitely get applications, but I find that when you're just kind of posting an ad, you're going to get a lot of people that, okay, I'm going to give you an example here. One applicant said, yeah, I'm a real estate photographer. I do real estate full-time photography for myself. I'm looking to work for a company. Okay, great. Let me see your portfolio. He texts me a long string of text message photos, not a link to a portfolio, of photos that he took from his phone of properties that were like abandoned and decrepit. (laughs) And my response was, okay, is this is your portfolio? Um, what kind of real estate photography do you do? And he's like, yeah, I'm, I'm the guy that when a house forecloses, the bank calls me to change the locks and I take pictures for the bank. I had done a full interview and then I had done a second round of interview with this potential photographer. And then, you know, the first one went great. Uh, she was like, yeah, I know photography really well. I've been around it my whole life and I've even learned Photoshop and stuff. I'm like, okay, great. And a follow-up meeting, I realized through the conversation that she thinks that she's a photographer, but her photography experience was she worked at this place that needed like some photos to go on their website and she took the photos on her phone. And then like at some point, they bought a camera she bought a canon rebel and then i'm like can you show me the photos and none of them were real estate and none of them were good so i'm like you end up feeling like your time is not being very well spent interviewing a bunch of random people that you know they they believe that they're photographers and that they have photography experience but they just don't and then you have the problem of If you're talking to someone who is already a full-time professional photographer, like I'll call other real estate photographers in the state and say, hey, can I absorb your business? Can you just come work for me? And they're like, no, screw you. I've got my own thing. What do I need you for? And it's true. They have a portfolio. They have a business and they don't want to work for anyone else. And that's basically where I'm at too. I don't want to work for anyone else. So I can totally understand that. The people that are totally inept, inexperienced with photography, and then the people that are just great at what they do, those tend to be not ideal candidates for me, for my business. I'm sure you could make a deal where you just partner up with a local photographer and, you know, you split the cost or whatever. There's all kinds of ways to run a business. There's definitely, you don't have to just do what I'm doing, like pay somebody hourly. But that's the route that I like to go. I like to hire photographers. I like to pay them hourly, put them on a schedule. That works really well for me. So the people that I'm getting for that are, they're familiarized with camera equipment. They're not delusional. They're not someone that their cousin let them hold a camera and take pictures during like someone's birthday party 10 years ago. And now they're ready to kick off their photography career. You know, someone who knows their way around a camera and who is teachable. That's really key. I pay a lot of attention to the personality of the person that I'm talking to. Do they listen to me while I'm explaining something to them? Or are they just waiting for their turn to talk and just to interrupt and say, oh yeah, oh yeah, and this, and then this, and then that. Not like being a little thoughtful and taking in the information. That's usually a red flag to me of someone that is not going to be easily trainable. I also like to give people like little mini coaching sessions when I'm talking to someone who has a passion about photography. I kind of not just 
to get information out of them that's beneficial to me. I want to share some information with them. I like to read a lot. And in an interview, I will try and share some information about books that I've read and make book recommendations to people. And then I'll follow up with them afterwards to see, you know, did you actually look into it? Did you get the book? And if the answer is no, then my thought is going to be, well, okay, so we sat down together and I shared a lot of information with you that's going to benefit you, not me, and you didn't do anything with it. So that's going to make me have the thought that, you know, maybe this person isn't going to be super trainable. But then you get somebody who's like super eager, ready to learn. They're interested and engaged in what you're saying. They know the way around the camera. Then I'm thinking, you know what? This might be the kind of person that'll work really well with me. And then we go from there. We usually start with on-the-job training. I just have someone basically follow me around and watch what I do. Once they're super confident in actually conducting a photo shoot, well, I'll trade jobs. So it'll start with someone just kind of on the clock following me around, paid, you know, watching me do my thing. I'm explaining what I'm doing and why. And then I'll be like, okay, here's the flash. You can just hold the flash and I'm going to point to areas in the room. You're going to hold the flash straight up or point it at whatever I say. And then I'm going to trigger it. And then I'll say, okay, here is the trigger. So I'm going to set the camera up. I'm going to do the settings. And then you're going to hold the flash in the trigger. You're going to walk around and do the thing. Now you're going to set the camera settings, and but I'm going to be looking over your shoulder, checking for compositions. And then eventually, once our jobs have totally swapped, when I'm the one, they start just following me around, basically watching me and saying nothing. When that's me, I know that they're ready to go. When they're just totally taking over the, the photo shoot, then it's like, okay, you don't need me here anymore. And that's who I look for. If I find someone that they never actually replace me, on the job or, you know, personality issues or delusions of photography experience that was never actually true. Those usually kind of filter people out. And it all starts for me with the sphere of influence. I'm, I'm sure you could have some success with, you know, online ads and job postings. I've been thinking about calling videography and photography departments at local universities. There are a few, there's a lot in Massachusetts. Probably every state and most countries are going to have a university somewhere nearby to you that has a photography or a videography department, I would imagine. I've been, I haven't done it yet, so I can't fully endorse the idea. It's twinkling in my eye. I'm thinking about calling for my next hire and just seeing if there's a student that would like to get some work experience. I assume there would be. It's just a matter of doing it. Uh, do I let photographers work independently? And no. If someone's coming to work for me, as far as real estate photography goes, that's all that they're doing. If they're getting real estate referrals or jobs from other people, they're doing it on my dime. Those people will be my clients. If I find out, and this is a part of the employment agreement, if I find out one of my employees is taking side work, they're fired then that's it. No questions asked. It's pretty easy to figure that out because if I have clients that I'm used to seeing showing up on my calendar regularly, and then I don't see them on my calendar anymore, I call these people to follow up with them. And if they say, oh yeah, no, I've still been working with so-and-so, then, you know, they're done. I also have non-compete, non-disclosure agreements as part of the employment agreement. So 
Oh, by the way, everyone is a 1099 subcontractor. They're not traditional employee, but the agreement for this working relationship is that all the photography that they do under my name is all work made for hire. And that's a legal term in, in Massachusetts and probably all of the United States. If you live in a different country, you'd want to look up and see what the legal terminology is, or at least what your copyright law is. In the United States, the author of a creative work owns copyright over it. However, if you are hired and to create some something like photography under a work made for hire contract, that specific wording, then the copyrights are retained by the employer, not the technical author. Or I am the technical author of the work because it's a work made for hire. I retain all the copyright on everything and the photographers work for me exclusively. So if they have other side jobs of other non-real estate things, I don't care. I don't care at all. If you want to go do portraits, fine. You want to do video, fine. But if you're doing any real estate work, per the agreement, it has to be on the clock. It's paid by me hourly, and I invoice the client, whatever my rates are for that work. And there's no exceptions to that whatsoever. And then the final part of Ben's question, how do I deal with them taking my client? It's uh, being fired and then a cease and desist order per the employment contract. I haven't had to do it yet. I'm very clear with people when I start to work with them that this is how it's going to be. And, you know, that's like before anything signed, before any employment is actually happening. This is how it is. Do you accept the terms of this agreement? Yes or no. And if it's a yes, you know, if someone's going to agree to that verbally and in writing, and I've heard of this in other businesses, other real estate businesses, I work very closely with a broker who's just a, a top broker in his marketplace, and someone joined his office, learned all of his business systems, and then left, and then took all of his ways of practicing and, and went out and started making making money off of this other guy's system. So I guess you could call that corporate espionage or like a mole but I haven't had to deal with that in my business. I, you know, cause like I said, it goes back to the personality of the person of the photographer that I'm working with. If it's someone who's trainable, it's someone who's engaged and interested in what's happening and I'm getting a kind of really positive feedback from them and they're excited to work and to learn and they're totally in agreement with these contracts, then the odds of that person turning around and, and trying to kind of screw me over are low. Plus, I pay really well. And that's another thing too. Like I won't say I overpay, but I'm I'm paying my photographers more than they would make working for anyone else. So that helps. <laughs> ben, I hope that was put pretty clear in answering your question. Ben Q, he reached out to me over at Instagram. If you guys wanted to reach out to Ben or see some of his work, you can find him on Instagram at BenQNYC, B-E-N, the letter Q, N-Y-C. Ben, thanks for the question. Next question from one of our international listeners. Sam Bodden reached out from Belgium. Sam actually reached out to me via email. And uh, he didn't comment on the proper pronunciation of his last name, except that he was curious to see how I pronounce it. So I hope Baden is, is how you pronounce it, Sam. If not, I apologize. Please feel free to correct me. 
Sam was asking about booking appointments and the form letters that I send out. He was listening to the Matt Witte interview and just wanted to get a little bit more information of some of the topics that we covered during that interview. The scheduling app that I'm using right now is called Calendly. It's, you can find it at calendly.com. That's not a sponsored post. That's just a product that I use in my business every day. I don't know if I could do what I do without it, honestly. Calendly is a scheduling application. You can download an app onto your phone and you can connect it with your Google Calendar. So I talk about G Suite. I use Google products in my business for just about everything. And I use my Google Calendar. So with Calendly... I'm able to set up a team, a photography team, and add team members. So I have my photography business as the team, and then I have myself and photographers underneath the team. You can prioritize people on a round robin. If you have a team of more than one person, Calendly will automatically book people in like a cycle. So it'll book person A, and then the next booking goes to person B, and the next booking to person C, and then A again, and then B again, and then C in that order. Or you can prioritize people and say, book person A before B in every situation. So book person A, once their time is not available, then book B only. So for example, if... So let's talk about a Madison. So if Madison's going out and he has two back-to-back appointments all morning from 7 a.m. to noon or whatever the case may be, let's say they're larger houses and they're going to take some time. Well, if another real estate agent wants to book an appointment during those hours, they'll see it as open in the calendar and they'll book it. But it's not going to Madison. It's going to me. So Calendly is really great. And that you can work up to as well. You can get a single account, work off of a single account for years. And then when you go to hire someone, just add them onto the team. Super easy to do that. You can share the Calendly booking link to anyone via text or email. You can also create a pop-up or a widget or an inline calendar booking thing for your website. So the uh, website integration is super helpful. I can put these little book an appointment with me now button on the corner of the web page. Anyone can click it. They can open the calendar, pick an available day, pick an available time of the day, and book the appointment. Calendly also checks your calendar for conflicts. So if I have a personal appointment or if I have just... I just don't feel like working for whatever reason or I've got something else going on, I can make a event in my calendar on my Google calendar and then just, you know, say whatever, personal time or dinner with parents or whatever. You know, I can be pretty scatterbrained. So I always have had this habit of if I have anything to do, I put it in the calendar. Taking out the trash is in my calendar. (laughs) And no one can book a photo shoot with me when it's time to take out the trash barrels because that's the time that I'm doing it and that's it. Otherwise, I'd forget. And it's so handy to be able to do that, to block off my personal calendar, but not the whole team calendar. And if it's just you, then 
that's even more important because you don't want to have an appointment come in. Let's say you like to go to church on Sunday mornings and then you get a real estate agent that wants to book an appointment on Sunday morning. But if they check and they see that it's blocked off because you had, you know, church from 9 to 1030, they'll have to pick a time afterwards. So, you know, once you're done with that, then you can move on to the next thing or family dinner or holiday, whatever. Another thing about Calendly, you can create a bunch of different event types. So I have a list of photo only appointment, virtual tour, zero to 2000 square foot, virtual tour, two to three thousand square foot twilight drone i have a bunch of different photography appointment types that take up each of them different appointment times like each appointment takes up a different amount of time so the virtual tour zero to two thousand square foot it only blocks off like an hour and a half in the calendar the virtual tour three to four blocks off like two hours something like that two hours and change whatever we calculated it out to approximately take and then they have buffers before and afterwards so you can have multiple appointment types being booked into the calendar at intervals that make sense for you so you're not getting double booked you're not getting overbooked and you can get as complicated as you want with it each one can have unique buffer before and after each one can have a unique time and you can add questions in the appointment so i have questions like Name, email, phone number, listing address, add-ons. And those are check boxes. So you can check off. I want to add floor plans. I want to add video. I want to add twilight. They can just check them off and it shows up in the, the calendar event. Also a field for access instructions. On some of them, I add a field for notes. And in addition to that, you can set up reminder emails. You can control the interval between the appointment start time and the reminder email. So I have reminder emails and reminder text messages going out 24 hours before the event. I also have terms and conditions in the reminder emails and on the booking page. So when people go to book, they can read the terms and conditions right there before they can before they even pay their booking fee. Oh yeah, booking fees. You can integrate PayPal or Square with Calendly to take payments. So if you use a PayPal account, you like I do, you can charge booking fees up front. I have everyone pay. If in order to confirm an appointment with me, you have to pay a $100 booking fee, which per my terms and conditions, your booking fee becomes your late cancellation, late rescheduling fee. So you pay $100 to book the appointment. If you call me the morning of the appointment, or the night before and say, yeah, sorry, we're not doing it, then, okay, I got $100. Um, even though we lost that time, I've at least got something to show for that gap in the calendar. And, you know, it's all disclosed. It's all right there. I have had a situation where someone said, what? What do you mean you're charging me an extra this? I thought that the appointment was only going to be whatever it was. And I'm like, yeah, well, you rescheduled the appointment on the same day. You know, there's a rescheduling fee. And then like, what? I didn't know that. You didn't tell me. And I'm like, well, okay. So it's disclosed on the booking page before you actually confirm. When you go to put in your payment information, it's right there in your face. It's also in the reminder email and it's also in the confirmation email and it's on my website. So <laughs> it's disclosed. And then, you know, that person was like, all right, fine. But grudgingly, they accepted it. 
and sometimes you get in those situations. So it's really good to have your terms and conditions in the super visible, like in your face position when people are booking appointments with you because you can bring that up and say like, look, this is the terms of our agreement that you accepted and you paid and you like it was right there. It's not long. It's not like in search of lost time by Proust. It's a couple paragraphs that you could have read. Maybe you didn't, but that's not <laughs> that's not my responsibility. You accepted those terms. And, you know, accepting the booking fee in advance is just that's been such a good idea. I actually started that recently. I started that since I started the podcast. So you could listen back to a previous episode where I mentioned bringing up booking fees for the first time as kind of like an experiment. And it's just, it's worked out famously. It's gone over so well. All my current clients, they get it. And, you know, we apply the booking fee to the final invoice as well. And that's also disclosed. So people understand like, well, I know I'm going to pay, you know, a couple hundred dollars anyway. So what's the difference of a hundred now, a hundred later? And then, you know, those people that are like, well, I'm not going to pay that. Then fine, go work for somebody else. And then when they send you an invoice, you can bitch and moan and complain and and try and get price reductions and discounts with someone else, (laughs) but not with me. The people that are really difficult to even get a dime out of them at the beginning, when they know they're going to be paying you for professional services, they tend to be a little bit more difficult to work with later on. Not everybody. I'm sure there's going to be a lot of really honest real estate agents out there who just don't believe in paying in advance for photography services for whatever reason. And and I'm sure it makes a lot of sense to them. You know, they're not going to be my clients. That is Calendly. Really, I highly, highly recommend it. It's like $8 a month for the paid account. So I'd probably wait until you're getting regular weekly bookings before you even start getting into it. Because you don't want to have like another account to set up and another thing to worry about as like a barrier to you going out and getting clients. So if you need a booking solution, Calendly is the only one that I use. I've looked into other ones. But the most important thing for me is the user experience. So far, this one is just the easiest one to click through, you know, and it's as simple as that. It's it's as easy as ordering something online. You know, that's not easy for everybody. There are some, some cases where someone will call me and I'll have to like manually book the thing for them on the phone, but I'm still going through Calendly so we can use the round robin and I also use Zapier to automate a lot of things, and Calendly has a Zapier integration. So, I mean, Zapier is a whole episode unto itself. If anybody's interested, if you haven't heard of it, don't worry about it. If you have and you're not sure how to use it in your business, reach out to me. I'll give my email and my Instagram at the end. Let me know if you're curious, and I can do a whole episode on Zapier. But basically, I'm using the Calendly and Zapier integration to Every new Calendly appointment that I get, if it's a paid appointment for a photo shoot and the booking fee has been paid, it adds them to the my MailChimp mailing list for current clients. It also adds them as a name in my CRM. And a CRM, that's a whole other episode too. Uh, it adds them as a record in my CRM and sets up a follow-up date for the time of the appointment. So I have a reminder to call these people and follow up with them. 
automatically. If it's not a paid appointment, it's a phone consultation. Someone just was curious. They wanted to chat with me or my cold caller got someone on the line that maybe wanted a little more information. They'll book a phone consultation. It's not a paid appointment. That goes to a different mailing list and gets routed through a different channel into the CRM, the different kind of reminders and stuff. So Calendly and the Zapier integration is great with automation and like I said, that's a whole other episode. So if you're curious, reach out. Maybe we'll do one on Zapier. And then we'll do another one, a whole other episode on CRMs in the future. Sam also asked about the form letters that I send out. So my admin has a list. So I'm, I'm using G Suite products. My admin has a Gmail account. And then he has a Google Drive with a folder of all the different emails that we send. Every single email is just boilerplate, copy and paste. And it's just a letter that has very standard text. It says, here are the links to your files. That text is hyperlinked to the link to their Google Drive. It takes, they click on it, it takes them to their photos. And then it'll say, if you ordered your virtual tour, you'll find the link here. If you have any trouble downloading your photos, you can watch a two-minute tutorial on downloading your photos and uploading them to MLS here. And for those things, like every single thing that you have to do to access photos or files or information, I recommend this. And I talk about this in another episode, film a video tutorial, just a screen record, and then edit it down to like two minutes. Just jump cut to every important thing. Make it as short and as sweet as possible on just how, like, click here, click here, click here, click there. You're downloaded. Great. Now click there, click there. Okay, you're done. And a lot of people are going to find this to be super, super helpful. There's going to be a lot of really tech-savvy clients that they don't need that, and they never will. But the ones who do need it are going to really appreciate it. Plus, when you refer them to a video tutorial you will not have to sit down with people and show them one-on-one, or at least hopefully not as much. You, you might still get those people that are like, I watched it, I watched it 10 times, and then I couldn't still figure it out. There's a different approach for people like that. But <laughs> anything that takes more than like a couple minutes to do or more than a couple clicks, screen record it, edit it down, post it onto YouTube, which is free as a public video, I usually do an unlisted video and then I just share the link in the email text. And I even do that in the Google Drive. I'll have a document that's like, here's the link to your virtual tour. Here's the link to your website. If you have any trouble accessing this, watch this two-minute tutorial. And people find that to be pretty helpful. So if anybody calls me with a problem and they're like, I have trouble finding this, I know exactly what they got, right? So there's the listing address, and that's the subject of the email. So 123 Main Street files or photography or whatever the subject is. It's the same for every single email. So I'll say, okay, did you see the email? And they'll say, no, I can't find it. Or I saw it, but it's gone. Okay, in the search bar on your email client to search your listing address, Okay, and they put, okay, one, two, three, Main Street. Oh, there it is. <laughs> and they're like, okay, but I can't download my photos. Okay, did you read the email that I sent you? 
Well, I didn't really look at it. Okay, well, if you open it up, in the first paragraph, there's going to be a link to a two-minute long video. It's going to show you exactly what to click on step-by-step. Step. You can play it, pause it, follow along exactly. And then could you please give that a shot? You know, I'm in the middle of a photo shoot right now. You know, whether I'm at home, like in my gym shorts, watching TV, or if I'm actually out at a photo shoot, my answer is always... I'm with a client. I'm in a photo shoot right now. I'm going to call you back afterwards. Could you just take a look at that quickly and see if you can handle it? If not, reach out to me again, and then I'll be able to give you some more time. And just doing that alone frees up hours, <laughs> hours and hours. Because, you know, I put the information there in that email for that exact reason. Like, if you have a problem, I, I want you to refer back to this. And then you kind of have to train your clients to refer to it. And then eventually they'll train themselves into how to, you know, handle the technology. And like I said, this is for a small percentage of your client base. Most of the people that you work with are, are going to be pretty tech savvy. They're going to be on top of it. But it's those high-maintenance clients, and if you've been in the business for a while, you know what I'm talking about. Just a couple people can really soak up a lot of time. And when you're in business, and especially when you're offering a business service like photography, at least I look at it as a business service, it's important to, even if it's one person, to give them as much time as they need within reason, to help them actually get their stuff. I don't feel like I've done my job if they can't access and use their files that they paid for. So part of what I will do to kind of mitigate the time loss on high-maintenance clients is to just refer them back like every single time. I'll have this one that keeps calling me all the time about the same issue and I'm like, did you read the email? Well, okay, can you can you look at that? I'm right in the middle of a photo shoot right now, but I'll call you afterwards. Can you just take a look at that? And usually that's all they need. Some people just need to be like, they need like your permission to do something. Or There's some people in this world that would rather not have to think. And I don't know if that's necessarily a bad thing. I know some very successful people that are like that, but it's just because their mind is in another place. Maybe they don't want to focus on what you've got going on, or maybe there is actually something about your process that is confusing, and everybody else is just kind of muddling through, but this is the one person that speaks up about it, and and that's happened to me. I've, I have changed some of the ways that I do business because of one client complaining to me constantly. Because then I think about it, and you know, I take a step back and look at it as if I were an outsider, not you know, me running the business. But if I was someone else that was just going to come in and evaluate the whole workflow and take a look at that and say, well, why do we do this this way and not some other way? Like, is there a better way to do that? And usually there is. So it's worth taking that feedback, but it's also worth, you know, really trying to protect your time, not getting sucked into weird customer service issues or when you're in the situation where you have enough business going and you can afford to hire an admin and Listen back to previous episodes on outsourcing. I talk about this a lot in the book as well. You could actually afford to do this. And I mean afford it, not barely scrape by, but it could be like a reasonable expense that is very easily manageable that can help you make even more money 
And you can do that a lot sooner than you might think. So, so look to those other episodes on outsourcing. And that's it. That's the form letters. Anybody could type one of these up in a couple minutes. The real meat out of these emails is going to be in the tutorial videos that I have made. So if you're in coaching with me, you do have access to all the tutorial content that I've made and you're welcome to use them. But for everybody else, like it's really easy to record these things on your own. And it's just as simple as going through the process yourself, maybe once or twice to practice it, see how you can do it kind of quickly, and then do a screen recording. If you use Apple products, you can just use QuickTime and do a screen recording with audio, record with the internal mic. If you use Windows products or PC products, I'm sure there's an app you can get. I don't know. I haven't used anything, any PC or Windows products and geez, probably since I was in the army. But anyway, that's the form letter content. And then there was a bonus section to Sam's question. So we were kind of emailing back and forth. He said something like, wow, thanks for the fast response. Was that actually you? Is that an admin? No, that was actually me. So I hope you're not surprised to hear this. I don't think you should be, but I personally am responding to the emails and the Instagram messages. There may come a time when I have an admin do it for me, but that would be disclosed right away. It would be like, hey, so-and-so, this is Ryan, Tom's assistant. Glad to help you out with this. I'll pass the info. You know, I would I would make sure that you kind of knew who you were talking to. But yeah, if you email me or reach out to me on Instagram, you're actually talking to me. So anyway, those are our listener questions. One from Instagram, one from email. Ben and Sam, I really appreciate you guys sending in your questions. I'm sorry I had to smush you guys together into the same episode. I hope you won't hold that against me and not getting your own individual podcast episodes. However, I like to try and keep these around as close to an hour as I can. I didn't feel like we had enough content here for you guys that would be worth splitting up into two episodes because these questions are very important and they're issues that we need to be thinking about every day, especially when you have a growing business and you're looking at hiring people and when you're working on booking solutions for your photo shoots. For me, short and easy questions to answer. So really important topics that you guys brought up. I appreciate it. Now, if anybody else would like to send in their own question, you can reach out to me directly. You can find me on Instagram at Tom Vargeletis, T-O-M-V-A-R-G-E-L-E-T-I-S. You can also email me at tom at ftrephoto.com. And I've been pretty good with responding right away to people. So, you know, any feedback on the podcast, any topics you'd like to hear covered in the future, really appreciate hearing from you guys. You know, I have a long list of topics that I know I want to cover in the podcast. If you feel like you need a little bit more information on something or you just haven't heard a really important topic that you're looking forward to, go ahead and reach out and we can maybe make that the next episode. So again, if anybody wanted to check out Ben Q, you can find him at Ben Q N Y C B E N Q N Y C on Instagram. And go ahead and take a look at Sam's 
real estate website. He's got a .be website. It's Immo Visual, I-M-M-O-V-I-S-U-A-L dot B-E. And you can take a look at some of his real estate work there as well. In addition to that, there is the full-time real estate photographer book. That is a A to Z guide on how you can start and run and grow your real estate photography business. You can find it on Amazon. Links are in the description if you're interested in that if you like to read like I do. You could also reach out to me for coaching. So I have been offering one-on-one coaching for a while now. And it's not just a question and answer session. Coaching with me is one hour a week. We cover all topics that can be covered, but the way that I like to approach it, it's not just going to be a rah-rah, you can do it. Although there is some of that. Because a lot of business success is really down to your mindset and your attitude. But we take a look at everything. Like, where are you making your money? How can we boost your revenue? What kind of systems could we implement that will save you time and save you money? You know, I I work together with you on some of these projects to help you not just build a better business, but to go full-time, to run a thriving full-time real estate photography business. And anybody can do it if you know what to do. So this podcast and the book is going to help you get there. But if you really want the custom solution, that one-on-one attention of looking at every little facet of your business and trying to optimize it, please reach out to me. We can talk about coaching You can find me on Instagram at Tom Vargelettis. Email me, tom at ftrephoto.com. And without further ado, I will leave you all with that. Thanks for listening.